Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Did you hear about the Buddhist monk? What's that? So a Buddhist monk walked up to a hot dog cart in New York, and he said, Hey, can you make me one with everything? Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, uh, what's going on? Richard Blaze and Jasmine Blaze, always... Uh, always always high on the volume check. Uh, you gotta come you in check, with energy. You check at a lower level though, but then you come in and you're but like, because, bah, bah, bah. because the curtain goes up, just like yes. uh, our, our one of our kids just finished a, a weekend of uh, Matilda. Weekend run, yeah. Weekend run of Matilda, and when the curtain goes up, you have to have high energy, Jasmine Blaze. I guess, I've never done that. You so. have uh, <laughs> elevated your energy over yeah, the 130 episodes of this podcast. Did you go back and count? We gotta, you know, put, we gotta put an intern. I mean, on it's that. it's well. There's if it's a episode a year, uh, episode no, a week for a year. That's guess, fifty-two episodes. We've only run two repeats ever. It's been two years plus. It's hundred and twenty something. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's a trivia. <laughs> like Tell I us said. how many episodes we've done of our own <laughs> podcast. We should figure that out. I said um, intern. Yeah. Uh, back here from a trip to Hawaii, which was amazing. Thanks. So, we got so so many comments, by the way, of people uh, just mentioning like, "I love the open from Hawaii." Uh, I think people just like yeah. to be like. They're not Every, sitting at home in their do kitchen. Remember, do you remember, like, uh, I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you were, skipping school and home, like, watching, like, Regis and, Regis and uh, who was it back then? Regis and Kathy Lee, when they would do, like, uh, their, their From Destination uh, episodes or yes. any of these shows that would yes. do, like, from like Wheel of Fortune, from Hawaii or whatever, like, you know? And I, I love those. Everybody likes a little break from the norm. Everyone, absolutely, 100%. A matter of fact, one of our uh, guests upcoming who I'm interviewing tomorrow in real time, Michael Mina. I Whoa, think, all, fast I think forward. I'm going to be there too for that. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, You're going to be there yeah. with Michael Mina. Yeah. But he just put up a picture of uh, Pat Sajak. Oh really? Look at it's that. Van, uh, who's the letter? Vanna White. Vanna White. Yeah. And he's uh, up in San Francisco for an episode that's going to air. But oh. um, I think that is part of it. You're right, absolutely. Which makes me... Uh, lead into also a weird segue that we didn't even talk about as we like usually spend 10 seconds pre-gaming before we turn the microphones (laughs) on. Um, Like the podcast has sort of led to this like uh, pilot slash sizzle that I'm going to be shooting in Chicago in less than two weeks. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) That's how busy we are or non-communicative we are. Um, But, and that's going to be sort of like Portions of like things that have been oh, sort yeah, of developed right. on the podcast right. that you've created, Jasmine Blaze. Hey, well, that are going to happen on City Streets. This is maybe why I don't know about it. Are you trying to keep it secret? No, you know <laughs> totally. Oh, first of all, all about uh, this, but that's going to yeah. be fun, and that's going to be like, parts of the podcast that sort of end up being on City Streets and on. Well, location. like you said, I mean, <clears throat> creativity is creativity, and when you're creating, you know, content and media content, like it's amazing how so much of it can translate to film or shows or TV or podcasts, the radio show. It you know. It all plays in the same I love pond. it. You know what we've never asked, and this mm. is, I think, controversial between the two of us as we're sitting here, is what is the best part of the podcast? I will, you know, is it the meat of the interviews? Is it the game mm. portion, which is usually the end of the interviews? Mm-hmm. Or is it the opens, where you never really know what you're going to get? Never know. It's a mixed bag. Are they going to be talking about Whoppers 
or are they going to be talking about like a know. trip they took or their kids' sports? Hit or us whatever. up on the on the DMs. Guys, I really would like let to us know. know. Yeah, you you would like to know. You you like we analytics. We need metrics. Yeah. Which, by the way, if three of you respond to this, that he he that's all the metrics we need. That's it. He it is like fact, and you could write it down in a ta- stone tablet, and it is like we'll be retweeting law. it. Yes. We'll be reading it on the pod. It will <laughs> most likely be fact, unless of course they're like every it, all three parts are horrible. Yes. That wouldn't be so nice. <laughs> uh, but we're here back at home, but also it's the first day of elementary school. Oh, that's right. A sixth grader and a first third grade. grader head into school off today. How do you feel about, you know, the end of summer and the restart of a school year as a parent and a mom? Well, I mean, I think, um, I think there's always kind of not enough summer. You know, I always kind of have that feeling of like, oh, I wish there was another week. Like when week. you were a kid? Like how yeah. that, like for me, um, I didn't, I didn't like restarting school. Like I know right. our kids really are No, no, no. It's not a, it's not a, um, a dislike of school. It's just a like of summer. It's like a like of, you know, the unregimented time and the, the just, you know, waking up when you want to wake up and, you know, having kind of a fun, fun days and all that. But, mm. but I think it's also, um good to get the kids back in school i mean good lord it's almost september yeah so. well there's one of those like i oh, get the kids out of here but that's not yeah. really what we're saying it's more no. like the schedule for your own sanity. right yeah it's like okay i know what i'm doing now today between these these times and yeah it's it's nice it's nice but you know what i i, I instantly last night i was making lunch for the kids and i instantly reverted back to this like feeling of tension that i have mm. or like um yeah i guess tension's a good word for it of where you know, I feel like they have a little pressure on, on us as a family to like provide very fancy lunches and we don't spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm the one making the lunches 99% of the time Whoa! and totally 80% of that time it's like sandwiches guys. Yeah. Throw me <laughs> under the school bus first of all, but you're right at being a food family and having a chef in the family. Yeah. People are, are probably expecting like a little beef Wellington slice or something like that with yeah. a little like au jus on the side. And like, even, I don't know. Even but, Gordon Ramsay's kids aren't going to school. But everybody does that. Like all the parents, if you're there at lunchtime, like they check out other lunches. Really? It's very common. Yeah. Oh, I well, mean, mostly to get ideas. I think, I think it's a very communal thing. I don't think there's any like judgment going on, but right. I do think when they see our lunch, they're probably like, Oh, let's see what the blazes brought. And mm. then it's like raisins. I mean, cream cheese with <laughs> Organic jelly sandwiches with yeah. uh, raw vegetables like and some sandwiches. fruit. I right. mean, pretty it's much that's pretty, pretty, yeah, it's pretty much it. Almost all of the time. Yeah. If they're lucky, there's some leftovers. Like today, they did get some chocolate-covered macadamia nuts because oh. we were in Hawaii. We were and in Hawaii. so I brought back some mac nuts for them. But that's, that's really good. That's it. So there is that pressure. But also, like, uh, I mean, there's a healthy aspect of it. Not that, you know, uh, cream cheese and jelly sandwiches are, like, leading the way in the uh, health and fitness revolution. Sure. But raw vegetables, raw fruit, like, don't, oh, don't go healthy. crazy about it. I, I don't yeah. mean it's not healthy. I just think maybe people expect, you know, it's kind of what people maybe expect our meals to look like at home. Let's start you doing know? that. Maybe we should make. Maybe I should make. Like we let's just is... post lunchbox pictures. We mm. should just post like dinner pictures well, every night. <laughs> see, I think that's the problem. And we love Catherine McCord. Yeah. We love Weelicious. Go check out Weelicious yeah. on Instagram. That's where you get lunchbox ideas. Well, that's where you get lunchbox 100%. ideas, but also where you have, what is it? There's a FOMO slash envy slash like also like get out of here. Stop. <laughs> Like, you know, like, like how, making you feel like shaming you, like, mom right. Shaming? Like in a way it's like, how can she you is keep not a mom up? shamer. She's not. No, no, but how can you keep up with nine delicious vegetable based yeah. farmer's market sourced, uh, tiny little dishes, which is are beautiful. Definitely. And really has created. That's what I think people expect our lunches to look like. Oh, well, we need to pick <laughs> it up. Are we failing our kids? We, uh, am I, 
<laughs> Am I? I mean, not? the issue is, is that the non-chef of the house is making well, lunches. So. Well, first of all, you're, in a, you're much more talented than you think you are as a cook. Give but the other qu- question is, for me, it would be like cold duck goulash. And like, then it's just weird. Like, I've tried to send the kids off with like, they get some cold pasta every once in a while. And like... Yeah, at least put it in a thermos. Well, I'm, <laughs> I mean, cold, like, I don't trust thermoses. I never have, by the way. You I know like, that there are thermoses work that really work. really well now. Yeah. I know, but I, there's still a part of me that lives in like 1977 with thermoses. No, I love the idea of a thermos. Um, I think you taught me how to correctly use a thermos. I know I'm the molecular gastronomist of the two of us. You're the least scientific of the two of us. Mm. So maybe we'll we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up this year. I will pick it up this year and try. But the kids have to also want to eat it. That's the other kind of. Yeah. Kind of issue. Yeah, you got to make sure they're not out there like trading your duck goulash for um, PB and J. Speaking of eating new things and being adventurous, I had um, flour for the for flour, as in like the ingredient used to make noodles. Yes. For like the first time in six weeks yesterday. Was it flour? I thought it was pad thai. Yeah. So that's a rice noodle. So there's got to be rice flour, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not. I'm not saying it's a wheat sort of thing. Right. But. Uh, my stomach is still kind of like, oh, you ate two pounds of pad thai yesterday. That was a big so plate was, of pad thai. And I, it was delicious. I bet. Um, so I don't we think are, you should feel bad about it. I don't feel you bad. Need no, to move my, on no, no. I think we're, th- listen, this is a problem I have. So thank you for bringing it out. I don't have, um, a problem with it. My stomach at the moment mm. It's just, I don't, so it might not be even the pad thai. It could have been just something else that was going on. But anyway. Thank you for taking this moment to let me Talk express about your my digestive my issues. Yeah. Uh, speaking of digestive issues, this episode live from Boston, Massachusetts, where, unsurprisingly, on this trip to interview the amazing Jamie Bissonette, I realized that Dunkin' Donuts is basically the Starbucks of Massachusetts. You just realized that? <laughs> well, no. I knew that it was like, it's very big. Just by that, it's, there's one on every corner? That's or what? what I mean. Okay, got it. Yeah, That's what I mean. Of course. That, like, I have been on street Donkeys. corners in Seattle. Yeah. I've been on street corners in New York City yeah. and seen Starbucks on every street corner. And, but I've never seen a Dunkin' Donuts on every street corner until you're in Boston. Yeah. They have new logos. Yep. They're, is it Dun- Dunkies? Dunkin'. No, it's Dunkin'. Just Dunkin'. Dunkin'. They don't but, call the donuts part because right. now they have more food dd than, like there's all sorts like yeah. i mean they're serving food there's yeah. like all sorts of crazy things crazy and uh my and, and and this trip was incredibly boston for me like i actually saw someone being arrested in a dunkin donuts yeah <laughs> i i didn't stop to like really you know be a looky loo uh <laughs> but i think that that was like my welcoming to ball it was like every if you had to write like a cliche stereotype script right. for boston my this first three hours in it yeah. was exactly that script <laughs> um but you have family sometimes in stereotypes ring true sometimes you know and i think maybe you experienced a little yeah, bit there's of a lot of tom brady a bit jerseys running around Absolutely. there's some really really good accents some aggressive uh, driving and some ag- dunk, lots of dunkin donuts coffee yes yeah. uh which i and, and again people three people ask about speaking of chains this mm-hmm. is i'm popping this up on you here what do you think about the popeye's chicken sandwich drama oh this came out this is coming out of nowhere this is coming out of nowhere but just i just was reminded because of the duncan overhaul sure as someone who has co-founded a uh, a chicken restaurant right that that serves some delicious fried chicken sandwiches yes uh i haven't had the popeye sandwich are you Um, gonna um probably should Mm -hmm. right i feel like uh i mean people are going uh, what was it one of the migos quavo was serving (laughs) thousand dollar uh, Popeye sandwich is supposedly out of his trunk. I don't think he really was. Right. But like the demand is... Uh, There's like hours wait for them. And like, it's crazy. I, I read something that said that the, because of the organic social media interactions that have been happening, it's something equates to $40 million in ads revenue or wow. ad um, mm. you know, generation. That sounds like a publicist email. 
Well, it does, but I mean, I don't, I believe it. It's everywhere. No, for right? sure. Yeah. And also like, you can't literally, you can't buy that. I guess can. my first thought is without knowing much about the Popeye's menu, like did they not have a chicken sandwich prior to this? I don't think they, so they kind of went after the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, right? right? And then they went after Chick-fil-A on social media ooh, a bit, like ooh. in the way of like a Wendy's so Instagram, you know, like how, or Twitter, how they had that kind of like. You know, you got kind of a snarky like, person running the, the beef sort of thing. You got, like, you got someone running. Got some I think they said something like "you scared" or something like oh. that to Chick Fil A. So it was it, there was there was a little Twitter war going on. So and then that started it. And then the hour long waits or the two hour long waits or the fifty person in a line wait kind of thing. Got it. Now listen, yeah. uh, as someone who uh, has had a Chick Fil A sandwich yeah. before in my life yeah. and has usually had desires to eat them on Sundays, like yeah. most people, mm. uh, and hasn't had Chick Fil A in a really long time for a lot of reasons that mm. we don't necessarily need to get into. Sure. I have a confession to make. I think the Chick-fil-A sandwich has always been a little bit overrated. Ah, yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's a, a, a fried, soggy sandwich with like, with what, one pickle soggy pickles, on yeah. bread. I mean, it's sure. delicious in its simplicity. Sure. Uh, and I, it, it is tasty. Yeah. But, you know, does the hype match it? I don't know. what. And I, from what I understand, the Popeye sandwich is pretty similar. Pretty similar. Yeah, pretty similar. What about, but what I did, about I you? Did see, I did see that... Um, that I think, like even like you said, you have a chicken restaurant, and I think there's been some trickle down. Even um, I saw that Crack Shack was getting in on retweeting a lot of people that were like, "I don't need Popeyes," and like holding up a, a Crack Shack chicken sandwich, and like so. I wonder if like everybody's getting a little bit of you know public PR love from this. Yes. So thank you to Popeyes. Yeah. For starting a war with Chick Fil A for all the other all the other fried, fried chicken, chicken places, restaurants because right? <laughs> everybody um, else is tweeting their to get meals. Some there. press out of it. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll take that into this sizzle slash pilot that I'm doing. Mm, maybe take that onto the street. See, um, I'm well, always creating content for you. I like it. Well, you also haven't answered though. So like you oh, oh, also I grew go, up in the South. I want to go eat you it like, right now. I, I mean like. Both. You want to get the both sandwiches in front of us. and, and I want to get Popeye's only and just try. I've had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Right. So I don't you'll, need you'll it. be able to like, like yeah. have the taste I don't need it. in your memory. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Does Popeye's have tropical sauce? Or but whatever? honestly, for me, it was always Bojangles and not Popeye's Whew. to be honest. I will say Bojangles, uh, Terminal T, Hartsfield, Atlanta Airport. Is a place that I have never waited online in front of, <laughs> but obviously there are fans. Yeah, there are fans. It's it's the real deal. Jasmine, how did you sleep last night? By the way, um, pretty good. A little nervous for the first day of school. Yeah, we could definitely work on figuring out ways to sleep a little bit more comfortable. Could maybe? We? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds and wheelchairs. In 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Uh, the Purple's mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced before because it uses brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. How dope is that? And uh, the memory foam is, is, is not like the memory foam that uh, I am used to or probably you're used to. The Purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. What? So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's a breathable material so it sleeps cool which is one of my issues i'm always like tossing hot. around super super hot tossing yeah. around the stuff mm. 100 night risk free trial for purple if you're not fully satisfied you can return your mattress for a full refund backed by a 10 year warranty 100 night free risk trial and a 10 year warranty free shipping and returns free in-home setup and old mattress removal you're going to love purple and right now you are starving for attention listeners will get a free purple pillow 
with the purchase of a mattress. It's that easy, uh, and it's a great addition. So get these free gifts. They're available uh, site-wide. Just text STARVING to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text STARVING to 84-888. That's S-T-A-R-V-I-N-G to 84-888. Purple. Go do it now. Jamie Bissonette, Boston. I had a great time there. Someone actually ran out of a store in Boston and told me, they ran into me, and it was very, very rare that I get like recognized like on the street in a quick moment like this. But this person was like, oh my God, it's you. It's you. And Tommy. she's like, can we take a picture? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, my sister's gonna shit herself. <laughs> but like, I was like, wow, that's like, and I knew that what she meant was like an incredible of compliment. Of like, course. If you're yes. even Boston, New York, Philly, Jersey, like that's like yeah. like she's gonna cry high, high level right? like yeah. it's a next level sort yes. of thing. So thank you for a random lady in Boston for giving me that shout out. And hopefully, uh, well, hopefully your sister did not actually soil herself. But this episode, Jamie Bissonette, he's awesome. You love Jamie Bissonette, right? I do. He's the best. Uh, this is a fun one. He's uh, a pretty pretty smart guy. He's an amazing chef. And here it is, Jamie Bissonette. What's up, dude? Yeah, I like that. You greeted me with a hello, handsome. Yeah. Which I feel like is um, a very Jamie Bissonette like greeting for me. Well, I just call it as I see it. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but but I, I just want to know, like, am I am I that special, or is this like a type of like would that like what kind of greeting that like Ken doesn't get? He's get something spe- more special than that. When I see Ken, yeah, he gets more of a sub. Oh, okay, okay yeah. got it, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What's up, bro? Like yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Okay, well, I, pre- I appreciate it. What's, what's going on, dude? Nothing. Yeah, what's, what, what, what's... Um, why are you in Boston? Why am I in Boston? Uh, I am doing a live show tonight. I say show, um, basically like a demo, which you, you, you live in this world. Like, mm-hmm. your, your show is awesome, by the way. Like you're like when I've seen you in Aspen and stuff. Oh yeah. Like uh, tag teaming paella. And, and, it's and, wicked fun. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. So I'm doing one of those in a in a kitchen and bathroom warehouse later tonight in Burlingate, Burling somewhere. Burlington. Burlington. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, a little 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 corporate thing. But I had a day and like I've been chasing you for two years to do this podcast. <laughs> you're the one who bailed on me, man. I, I'm starting to feel like a jilted like a jilted uh, bride. Oh my gosh. I, okay, this was in Aspen years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, did I bail or did someone got? I thought someone got sick. I thought we talked about that. Wasn't that you were going to do it with Ken and then? Oh, I don't remember that one. I remember the most recent time though. Oh, the most recent you, time I bailed on you. you this canceled. is you canceled. Oh my gosh, I. Well, then I apologize. That must okay, have been. Okay, I wasn't hurt. I know okay. it's not personal. You're a busy guy. Um, what are you? Uh, what What are you into right now? That's not food related. What is like your? Are you? Um, I feel like you chefs are obsessive in general. I've been pretty obsessed with records my whole life. Okay. I, I love vinyl. I have a pretty sick record collection. Um, and I fell into a wormhole with my turntable not long ago, and like upgraded a lot of my equipment, and. Um, that's that's been the big thing. Okay, but I don't see this. But you're not also you're not like broadcasting this. This is not something you're. I post it every once in a while. Okay, like I think some people would see it, but yeah, you know, I try not to brag too much. Oh, so it's like that though. Uh, like I've got, a, I've got a pretty sick. Like I, I think I've got a stereo system now that costs more than some people's cars. That's insane. I've dude. pieced it together over the years. Right. Well, I mean, this goes back. I mean, people, you know, know your sort of origin stories, but like. Being a a, a a fan and collector, you're a musician as well. Like, you're an artist. So, were you always... Uh, aspiring. 
aspiring. I mean, you, you, I think anytime you get paid to do something like that, you're a professional. Like, of well, then that I'm definitely thing. not a professional musician. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to pay people to let me play with them. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, is this like? Uh, does it correlate to like any sort of food? Are you, a, are, you, are you a cookbook collector as well as a record collector? Yeah, I'm kind of like one of those guys who if I, if I really like something, I collect it for better or for worse. Like I've got probably 250 different honeys from all over the world. Whenever I travel, I buy honey. I've got cookbooks up the butt because I'm, you know, I've been cooking since I was 17 and I've been collecting cookbooks since before that. So yeah, I've got way more cookbooks than I need, way more records than I need, a shitload of like conservas from... From, uh, from Spain and Portugal. I love canned tinned fish. So Ooh. I collect all those things, and now I end up with this like apartment full of edible and... So there's a wall of conservas, honeys, and then uh, just a badass record collection and cookbook library somewhere in... I would say library implies organization. There's no <laughs> decimal system at my house, man. Like It's, it's more of a, a pile. Nice. So uh, you, you're, you're a fan of vinyl. Mm-hmm. And like my latest, um, because I'm just basic, but my latest sort of like intellectual obsession have been, are, are, you, are you a podcast fan? And do you listen to podcasts? What, mm-hmm. what are, what are, have you seen any of these Apollo 11 po- his, historical podcasts I have, lately? I haven't started listening to those yet. Okay. I, I, so this is where I'm at right now. Like I'm in the late 60s in the NASA space program. Like cool. I've listened to all these podcasts. And like it, it kind of reminds me like of your record collection. It's like where they were making vinyl records and like a stereo system with the same technology that we sent people to the moon with, basically. Mm-hmm. This, I, don't, I don't know why all of a sudden this just hit me, but when you obviously the 50th anniversary, you listen to this and you're like, we sent people to the moon in the 60s. And the music sounded better back then because then everybody <laughs> compressed it to put it on compact, compact disc, and then they compressed it to put it on MP3s. So, like, for me, I've never really loved iPods and stuff. I have them for convenience, but I also travel with a DAC, a digital audio converter, so it breaks my music. It, like, basically unscrambles compressed music to make it sound more hi-fi. And then I've got really good headphones that they go into. And okay. Totally, okay. like, yeah. It's- as, as someone who, like, um, I'm a music fan, but nowhere near your level, break down the technology. You just said you, you travel with a... Something that decompresses. Yeah, so like your recording device, it's, or actually your phone. It's about a little bit bigger than a phone. Uh, it's about the same price as an iPhone. And I plug it in to my phone, and then I plug my headphones into the DAC. And the DAC, the digital audio converter, takes the scrambled, compressed music and unscrambles it and makes it sound better. So you can hear, like if I'm listening to Bill Evans or Dave Brubeck, I can hear like the smallest little like tinge of a hi-hat. Whereas if it's straight off of, like, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, whatever you listen to, you don't hear that. Mm. So I'm trying to think of, like, the cooking analogy to that. Like, you're, what you're saying kind of is it's too clean, right? Is that, is that like, the sound, the, the sound is too clean? It's been too Compressed. polished in a way? The DAC way? No, and, and the, the DAC opens it up so you can hear every little imperfection. Like if it's a live, a live jazz record or a live Black Sabbath record, you can hear somebody cough. But you can hear more of the music. Right. Whereas the compressed stuff, you might like be listening to Jethro Tull, but you can't hear some of the high notes of the flute or you can't hear like a little bit of the snare drum because it's, it's, not a, it's not as clear. It doesn't have as much fidelity. So I'm basically making it more high fidelity. Is there a... Do you think that there's 
technology in the kitchen that that has done that that has sort of um, <laughs> that has this is a very controversial thing to say. Oh, no. That's why we don't do any, uh, we don't have um, vacuum sealers at, at our restaurants anymore. Uh, something we've never had. Because I'm tired of cooks not knowing how to braise a short rib. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm really excited that other people will take a short rib and cook it for 72 hours and then sear it and get something sublime. Right. But I don't want my cooks to grow up not knowing how to properly sear and braise something. And I feel like. They can go work for you, who's a master at all of those kinds of techniques, and learn that and still learn how to cook. But with me, I want them to learn the more analog way. Right. No, that's, exa- that's exactly where I was going with that, by the way. And when you said, this is going to be controversial, I don't know if you were pointing it directly to me. Like, <laughs> this might be controversial because I know this dude only cooks with sous vide and liquid nitrogen, that's which is not, not true. true at all. I don't think that of you. It's not true. But, but that's the perfect example that, like... Um, cooking sous vide only and extensively has taken away some of the soul of cooking it's taken away the little imperfections and nuances and all and maybe uh inspirational moments that happen in the cooking process that don't happen when it's in a sealed food safe plastic bag (laughs) cooked at 62.5 degrees celsius for 72 hours and i'm not against that i do love eating that kind of food i'm just we're not doing it in, in my restaurants but, and you also said, though, you did say that that's something that you've taken away, right? At one point, there was some... We did a little bit of it, and we found that some people were using it too much as a crutch. You know, Ooh. and when I asked a cook one day, it didn't, we didn't have a... The, I think it was a, the, our polyscience uh, circulator broke. Right. And Oh, my God, chef. The robot broke. What are we going to do? Who's flying the ship? Well, that's when I realized that some of the cooks didn't know what to do. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, well, let's not fix it. <laughs> and let's, let's fix you. Right. Oh, so that, see, I love this. That's a very, um, and as a business owner, like, that's a very uh, entrepreneurial moment, right? Where there, there was a problem that was presented, and you... Oh, that's a good way of spinning it. No, it's, it's, well, that is what happened, and you're like... I was like, more like the old angry guy on the, on the porch that was okay. like, get off my grass! Yeah, you were more like, um, or like old um, Woody Hayes, like, football coach. Like, you, grab, you grabbed someone's helmet. You grabbed the face mask. Not anymore, Ben. No touching. No, no, no. I, it, it, of course, yeah. <laughs> no touching. Virtually grabbed a face yeah. mask, and we're like, we gotta, we gotta fix you. But what if, especially though, when I think of, when I do think of what your persona is as a celebrity chef, what about as as he shakes his head? Can you hear an eye roll? <laughs> you can hear eye rolls. By the way, we play a, a we play an audio clip of Tom Clickio rolling his eyes every time someone else rolls their eyes. Um, you know, I can see like the vacuum packer going back to this. I'm, I'm stuck on this being used to do other things besides cook food, right? I mean, like, what about when it comes to fermentation, compression, uh, pickling? Sure, uh, we don't do that anymore. Okay. I, I do. <laughs> I do wish we had a vacuum sealer uh, often because doing an event like you, you know, when you right. want to prep your food and bring it with you, putting it in a vacuum sealer takes it from one cooler to a half a cooler or two coolers to one cooler and since we don't have one of those it gets very frustrating (laughs) I like that you took it right to the infomercial where like it's just the the um, I'm packing on a business trip infomercial but look if I use this vacuum compressor I can put 12 work shirts in this bag and sham wow <laughs> exactly but wait there's more <laughs> yes. um, by the way I will apologize at this moment if you see me doing a sous vide infomercial <laughs> in the future this is going to be really funny when you see it but I apologize like everyone's got to try and put bread on the table you know what I mean 100, dude, steal it 
There you go. Um, just quote, do it in like the tone of Brendan Stimpy. It's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Remember that? No, I don't. I never watch Red and Stimpy. I'm, you're losing all respect for me right now. No, I'm not. I'm just realizing how, how much of an idiot I am. No, not. Are you kidding me? Um, so no vacuum backers. It's all back to, it's all back to um, soulful cooking, which was where I was going to go like, are well, you, you're, hey, you're an old soul. Are you, don't you're, put words in my mouth. I'm oh. not saying that vacuum packing can't produce soulful cooking. That's true. Because you did not say when that. I have your food, there is so much soul in it, and how you got that soul on the plate doesn't matter to me because there's soul in it. Oh, I'm well just that's... saying I'm teaching. It's like I'm teaching a different blues scale. I love it. Very. Um, are you? Do you consider yourself? I'm with the vinyl, with the cooking. Now, what you're talking about? Uh, obviously, old, an old soul to some degree. I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, probably. I guess so. I think it makes sense because you also, um, for I, me, I, what's the, all the hipsters say now? I'm analog. I, you've said analog three times. Well, people say it all the time. Like, oh, it's analog Monday. We're listening to records. Oh, I'm analog. I don't smoke vape. I like to smoke actual leaf or whatever it is. And it's like, can't can we just, do I have to label everything? Yeah. Well, whatever happened to like, I'm, I'm a, a mid-90s like New York hip-hop kid. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what, what, what's wrong with saying old school? Like, Dude. we're doing it old school. It's got to be analog. Oh, yeah. I like that. But by the way, I was going to say. by the way, if you listen to the first Diggable Planets record on vinyl, way better than compressed on CD. Oh, first of all, I don't listen to Diggable Planets. <laughs> so let's let's just get clear. My people who know me and I just I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a massive so, fan. So I feel you, like you, Diggable you Planets were, were a like pack, maybe De La Soul. Love like Soul. I know, I just feel like when a band is so close to like some other This is going to get interesting right here. So like at what point like musically you hear a band and you're like, "Oh, they sound a little bit like this other band." How do you feel? So, like, you might have a different take than I have on this. This might be a hip-hop thing specific. It could like, be. where it comes down to, like, you bit my music or, like, you stole my recipe. All right, well, when you... Okay, I'm going to break it down to something not too long ago. I'm not going to go into classical music, but I'll go, I'll go into something a little bit more modern. In the 50s with West Coast Jazz, you had somebody like Paul... Like, like Paul Desmond and Dave Brubeck recording a song like Take Five. I love Take Five. Or Blue Rondola a la Turk, which is my favorite song of all time. And then you have a live record where you hear Oscar Peterson, who's a different style pianist than Dave Brubeck, has a heavier left hand, playing a Dave Brubeck song. But he's turned it into his own. Did he bite the song or did he take somebody else's recipe and make it their own by giving them credit and saying, oh, this is a Dave Brubeck song and Paul Desmond and this is how we're going to play it. And for me, that shows, like, respect and collaboration, and that, that is the style of music that, like, created its own genre, that style of West Coast 50s jazz. So when I hear a band like Fireburn, and they sound exactly like Bad Brains, but Bad Brains isn't producing new music anymore, am I sad that Fireburn sounds like Bad Brains, or am I excited that there's new music coming out that sounds like music I already like? So I guess it's just how you look at it. you got to be positive. Right? I set it up like I was going to like not agree with you but I agree with you 100% and I also love that you just threw in there but he has a heavier left hand like that's how you know like you're really into <laughs> music and jazz and that Brubeck Take 5 song is like one of the most iconic. popular iconic jazz yeah. and it's got a weird three beat or something like it's something weird about it right oh, five five okay five. take five take five <laughs> there you go I knew it was odd yeah I knew it lived in the sort of odd space okay so when it comes to, and I feel the same way about food, and, and obviously you're going to, I think, agree here, right? Like, there's no, 
like yeah if you present food the same way someone else does and it does and it's their iconic dish and you present it the exact same way without changing anything that's not great but but and, and if you claim it as your own that's just right. fraud but then how come we don't have that though with like historical dishes like how come no one's ever sad no one's ever upset that like the restaurant down the block's doing steak free with Mater D butter and and no one's ever like they they they're doing Mater D butter. We do Mater. We do escargot butter here. Come on, you, you do know that there are plenty of young, uh, insecure cooks who do do that. Like, wow, how could they serve duck larange? I have duck larange on my menu. They're copying me. And you're like, I had the you, mic on five minutes before you walked in. I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, right? No, that's that's a, like you said though. That's a, were you? I was that person. I would you know. Were you, were you, I was the type of cook coming up where I would. I'd come back from my day off. You'd be prepping. You'd talk about the meal you had the night before, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, they're, they're good, but they're not, they're not as good as us, or they're doing this dish. It's just John George's chocolate cake, you know, or whatever. Did you? And I stole that chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's done that chocolate, right? Everyone has done, you know, or iterations of certain things. Where you, where you like, you don't seem like that because you're I like. I totally was, man. I was an angry young man and I was just pissed off all the time about everything. And like, it wasn't until I was really humbled and working for a chef that kind of showed me like, hey, don't, don't do that. Like, enjoy what you've had. If you always look for the negative, you're never going to find the positive. And I feel like a lot of cooks don't find that. Um, and then they live miserable lives. Like, the, the, the other side of it is like, did you really enjoy that? Like, is this just a, a shtick that you have for the other cooks in the kitchen right now? Or did you really not enjoy your day off me- meal out, you know? Yeah, it's like you're trying to make yourself feel more important by having an opinion. Yeah, I think that this is one of the great things that's happened recently, right, in our world that's been, you know, uh, shaken up a bit here and there is that there's a lot more, I feel like there's a lot more love I hope around. So, yeah. like, I mean, certainly we've always had a lot of love for each other. And like, I think I gave you your first on screen fingering. Yes, this might be something you want to explain. This was like you snuck up behind me, I think, right? What, what's? Uh, yeah, we were filming Top Chef Boston. Top Chef Boston. I was judging, and you were working with somebody. I don't remember which chef you were working with, and I just happened to walk by you, and my finger happened to find your butthole. Yeah. Now let's be clear, everyone. Uh, pants like, were on. Pants were on. Yeah, that, that's really the where we have to. And I was like, and I was kind of like shocked because I'm a fan. And I was just like, oh, that was an interesting first. Lot, that was of, an interesting first greeting ever. A lot of people are a fan of, of that. Yeah. Oh, you mean me? I thought yeah. You, no. Oh, oh, sorry. Not you. Judging. I do. I do mean you. And uh, and now that whole moment is 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 now it's in front of me. Now it's in front. Yeah. Of when me. I watched that episode of Top Chef, I couldn't figure out exactly when that happened. I think it may have gotten edited out. It did. It happened like was you know that was the season where I was like a more permanent guest judge. The first of only a couple seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so for me, it was like a big, my big moment. So like, thank you for kick, ce- kickstarting it. We celebrated. We, ce- we celebrated a little bit. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? You can get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. That reminds me, I need to work on my abs. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go on, go on over to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions, and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. 
then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a Consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Hey, everyone. Are you looking for a true crime series to binge? A great one. Podcast One teamed up with WTOP to bring you 22 hours, an American nightmare. Check out the full story of a family and their housekeeper who were held hostage for 22 hours before being killed when the murderers set their mansion on fire. Then stay tuned for an exclusive Q&A with the reporters behind the show about their three-year-long journey for justice. Download 22 Hours, an American Nightmare, now on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. You know, you rolled your eyes when I said celebrity chef and um, some of the, like, stereotypes that kind of come with being a stereotype or, or, I mean, being a celebrity chef or, like, your world. Like, are you okay? Are you still the charcuterie guy? Like, is that something that's, like, did you ever, like, you know, that was a, like, for you, that was, like, oh, a yeah. big expertise, right? Like, that's one of your expertise. We don't do as much charcuterie at all the restaurants as we used to. I mean, we still do. We, you know, actually, that's not true. We do a lot of charcuterie. But that's not as much my focus as it was years ago. Um, because you're an artist. I think that no, some of this go because I can't keep I can't keep a straight thought in my head, man. <laughs> well, same thing, same thing. I know. I think I'm the similar way. Like I can't one. I just move on to the next thing that I'm obsessed with or passionate about. It doesn't mean that I lost any love for that other thing. I'm very lucky. Like I've, we have a lot of people on the teams that are so good at doing charcuterie and other things. So as you know, as I've grown as a cook, my team has grown, and so I might not per se need to do as much charcuterie as I used to do but then Tom at Culpa does so much charcuterie there that people go in there like oh Jamie still does the greatest charcuterie and it's kind of hard because I want to you know I want to promote our sous chef Tom who's actually doing most of that charcuterie you know or Pete who does it all at at Toro right Um, I'm glad that you're getting into mentioning other players on your team because there is one thing that you and Ken have done together that I think really is like game change in this industry like the, the whole working together, becoming partners, and then, like, you getting center stage and getting the spotlight, you know, w- working with Ken. Like, you guys have navigated that and really, like, that's a, you should put out a textbook, <laughs> seriously, on how, it's how that relationship, like, s- started Ken work, how, how, you know, everyone can have their moment. And you're saying right now that you're doing it for other team members right now. 100%. I mean, Ken is, I think, one of the best at it. He's my mentor. I've looked up to him forever. And the fact that we're business partners now, I still call him chef. You know, he's, I still call him other names, too. Right. <laughs> you know, but, like, I really look up to him. And one of the things that, besides being one of the best chefs I've ever met, his ability to recognize and cultivate talent, mm. if you look at the people who've come out of his restaurants, 
way before me. It's like, holy cow, this, like, he just, he's really good at harnessing those people who, like, are all over the place. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, So I'm trying to get better at it. When I hear, I heard him say years ago, one of my team winning a James Beard Award or a Food and Wine Award is more important to me than me winning it because that shows, you know, that shows that I've got a team that's, that's able to operate at the same level that I want to operate at. And at the end of the day, it's building his legacy. Right. You know, and I want to support his legacy. So by supporting our other teams, at the, at the grand scheme of things, yeah, I may have had a flash in a pan. People may have known me more than him. But in 100 years, people will look back at Boston and look at Ken Oranger way before they'll look at me. And that's awesome. Like for me, and I want to help him build that. Well, um, that's incredibly, like just the way you're telling it, like romantic even, quite honestly. But don't sell yourself short. Like... I think that's, to me, the key is that, like, you guys are all, what's happening over here? There's an ISI container that's just hoping, been delivered table I hope, side. I was hoping I was, we were going to do one. I was going to, like, cheese whiz shots or something like that. What's, what's going on in there? <laughs> um, I, I need one of those for the show tonight, by the way, <laughs> later. But you guys really have Navi. So, um, and you're, you plan on passing that down. Like, I mean, you plan on, like, taking that part of what you've learned from Ken and passing it down to. I would hope that I could be as good at MSM one day, but. Yeah, I'm just happy that he and I get to sit around and talk about food and put put things on the menu together, and then have our teams like Billy and Drew here at Little Donkey turn it into their own. Like that to me is the best. Brian, our chef at Copa, whenever I go in to eat there, I get excited because I can go in there and eat Copa food. It feels like our restaurant Copa, but it's not something I came up with. Or I eat at Toro now more than I've ever eaten at Toro because our chef Josh is his own chef. He's He's not a slouch. He's not a young guy. You know, not that he's old, but he's not like you know. He's not like an up and coming guy. He's a talented guy. So we can go in and eat at Toro and be like, "Man, this feels like Toro," and it's not mine. It doesn't taste like something I made. That is that's really yeah, cool. That's very inside baseball because there is that one thing of like it's the you know it's the chef's food at some point in the birth of a restaurant, but really it's the chef's version of what that restaurant's food is, mm-hmm. and that can transcend chef to chef or layer to layer, years over year. And when you, like, I've had that feeling too just recently. Um, you know, it's not my food. It's someone who I've worked with, you know, at like Juniper and Ivy cooking, cooking the food there. And uh, that's fine. And, but it's like better. It's like, you know, almost better than what I would have. But, it, but it's also like, it's around, it's in the same vibe and yeah. feeling and feel of the restaurant. And like, that is an incredible, I'm getting goosebumps uh, thinking about it. That's an incredible feeling. Well, that's just because our AC finally got fixed. Oh, there it is. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me of what your, your Ken's quote about like one of my team members winning a, a James Beard, which you have won. Uh, and this year, Tony Messina. Tony won this Uni, year. Which is so well-deserved. Unbelievable. Like, you guys and I just... have nothing to do with Uni, so I can say without feeling like I'm bragging, my favorite restaurant in Boston. Th- that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And like, right. Because you also say that in a way that's like, like you're saying it because it's not your like in a way that it's like it's not yours even it's yours but it's not it's not yours. mine at all right I'm not, I'm not a part of uni at all okay i've never worked at uni i don't have anything to do with uni except for i go in there and gorge myself you guys are becoming uh you're a you're a 70s 80s pop culture sort of fan for sure you're, you're like you're becoming like the cobra kai <laughs> of like the james beard awards like you're sweeping legs like <laughs> it's not even just like you're just throwing out another Another um, does Tony have ink? It's just another. Is he, is, is, or is he? I don't think okay. Tony has okay. any tattoos. He's a former military, former police officer. Strictly like, business. North, yeah, he's like a East Boston North Shore guy. Um, but you can even see it in because I follow him on on social as well, and like the the love and respect that he has for for you guys and the team is just amazing. So thank you for setting that sort of like template up 
for the rest of us, myself included, That's on how it. to like work with your team and, and, and let everyone get their moment in the, in the, on, on center stage in the spotlight. I'd like to take credit, but that's all KO. Nice. Um, are you ready to play a game, dude? We're halfway through the podcast. We like to play a couple, couple fun little games. Would you like to play a game? Yes. Uh, the game is. Do you is remember this that? War games? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love that movie <laughs> so much. I'm glad I got that one. I didn't, get, I didn't get the red and snippy, but I got that. Okay. This one's called uh, Never Have I Ever. Never Have I Ever. And you would say if you have or not, and uh, expand on it if you'd like. Have you ever cooked boil in a bag rice? Yes, I have cooked boil in a bag rice. When I was uh, on tour with punk bands before I went to culinary school, we were all vegan. And uh, we fell in love with Indian food. And we didn't have a lot of places to cook. So we would go somewhere. And that was one of our splurges is we would buy boil in a bag rice. But then we would buy spices and canned chickpeas so we could make something out of it quick. Okay. So you were like doing like, – that's a TV show idea right there. So boil in a bag <laughs> I rice. I believe it's called Chopped. That, there you go. Uh, what about this one? Instant grits. Have you ever – I worked at a restaurant where we used instant grits um, because we wanted to cook the... I don't know. I actually don't know why we did this. We cooked the grits to order on pickup for a lobster dish. Right. It was a you know it was your typical lobster dish with Thai green curry sauce on instant grits. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very... Everyone's doing that. We did that, but yeah. it wasn't my call. I thought you were going to say first, I thought you were going to go to like crusting a piece of fish in instant grits or something. I thought you were going to go very like old school Grey Coons or something like that. Um, have you ever cooked a hard squash in a microwave? No, that's never. a great idea. Never have you ever. It's just, just never have everything. I ever. I just that's to- total improv right there. What about never have you ever? Uh, what about eating in an all-you-can-eat buffet on a cruise ship or in a casino? Yes and yes. Um, <laughs> after Food and Wine Best Chef, I was you know we all got to pick a, a cruise to go on, and we had to teach classes. And I picked a cru- cruise that was like twenty-eight days long in Southeast Asia, and. While I was on the boat, I... Okay, I so you're setting it up to say, like, I was there so long that, of course, I had to, at one point, yeah. experience this. But if you had... Are you not a... Do you, like, I choose buffet. Like, I, there's a part of me that's just, like, Dude, I grew little... Up, I grew up just outside of Hartford, Connecticut, and I lived in Hartford for, for many years, and I loved the hometown buffet. My roommate and I were both chefs, aspiring anyway, and we would go there on Sundays, and we would... We were poor line cooks, and we would... Binge and eat it, yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, I, I mean, all you can eat prime rib is never going to be a bad idea for me personally, anyway. Well, I know you've been you vegan eat, in your past, but well, I still, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an omnivore. All you can eat mediocre fried chicken. All of it. I think it's the all you can eat. Obviously, we come from similar spots. Have you ever uh, illegally smuggled food items into the country? Which country? Uh, from any country into our country, into the United States. I have TSA pre-check. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Oh, I there you go. No, you go. I'm not answering that. Uh, I put yeah, well, okay. Of course I yeah. have. Yeah, of course, chefs. Right. There you go. Of course I have. I actually looked up truffles once and found that like it was like a gray area. Mm-hmm. I, you've probably maybe have done this too. And I was like, you know, it's kind of a gray area. It's got to be a certain amount. They're going in the socks. Yeah, everything's like, what is the worst that's going to happen with a couple black truffles and rolled up in some socks? To make your socks smell better. Hey, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start storing ri- rice in my socks after uh, that experience. Have you never? Have you ever brought your own snacks into a movie theater, or have you? Oh, I, I'm a big fan, and you know when I realized that it's not against the law, 
you can totally bring your own snacks in, my head spun. Because I was conditioned from the 80s that you could not do that. Because I think then they would, everybody would check. And it's not that you can't bring it in. It's that they don't want you to because they want you to spend it. But my gosh, I live in Chinatown and there's a movie theater there. And when I go to the movies, yeah, I want my peanut M&Ms and I want my popcorn. But you're not spending nine fifty for it. Well, I will. Right, okay. But I might also want to get some like Korean gummies or you there you know, go. maybe some... You know, bring in some furikake to put on top of the popcorn. Mm. So you're kind. Of, are you are you always chefing things up? No, I hate that term, by the way. I don't know why I said it. I've never said that before. But like, are you like that? Like, oh, I have popcorn, but just pump butter is not good enough for me. I need furikake and pump butter. Well, it depends on what I've done before. I've gone to the movies, but on occasion, yes, I like to. to- with my food. Mm. Have you seen um, Jasmine Blaze, my wife who co-hosts with me the podcast? Have you seen her pump butter hack? No. A straw on the nozzle of the pump butter deep into the vessel of the popcorn. Well, we can't do that anymore. Why? Because all the turtles do too much cocaine and they have the straws in their nose, so now there's no straws. <laughs> we just break them up. You got to just like, after you're done with them, just rip them up, shred okay. them, something like that. All, right. all tur- turtles will be safe. It's a, good, it's a good hack, though. I, th- I thought you'd appreciate that. I, dude, I love that. I have never done that before. You know, and, I mean, you can... I may go to the movies tonight just to do that. I was going to say, you can somehow... I won't somehow even go in to watch the movie. Figure out a way to also get the furikake in there if you want. Uh, have you ever had a foot massage in Thailand? I've had many foot massages in Thailand. Okay. I've set you up because I knew this. Because um, I've, you used to post videos of these, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Where are they at? Like, the, the people want these. Like, I personally, like, this is a weird world. People are listening to people eat crunchy food close to a microphone right now. I want to see the Jamie Bissonette ASMR of your feet getting scrubbed down in Bangkok. I have to go back to Bangkok. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be there to check in on Toro this fall. Okay. Don't forget to do the but videos. A, if you want after this, right around the corner, about 200 yards that way, there is a Taiwanese lady who does foot massage. Really? And... Actually, her husband does better foot massage, but the shop is right around the corner, and it's awesome. I would go there, except uh, I don't know. Again, you don't probably follow me as closely as I do you, but I just recently put up a picture of my feet, and I had a toenail fall off after a marathon, and it grew back as an oyster shell. So, like, I'm pretty... I swear to God, this is real. Like, it looks like an oyster shell, so I'm a little embarrassed about, like, no, taking my it. socks off. I believe oh. I commented on it that we should save, the sh- save your nail and grade <laughs> it as Blaze Botarga pretty good actually because there's like layers of age on it yeah. it would add a certain depth and umami to something I like it good idea okay uh, have you ever karaoke'd with Ken yes 100% what is the go to orange or bisonette karaoke song I love Ken to death he's like my brother but that dude never knows the lyrics to any song but has they're, no they're, problem singing along anyways it's so on it a teleprompter does, isn't it doesn't it? matter uh, what we say um I can't remember the last one. It was probably Journey or Toto okay. Africa or something. Uh, that, makes, that makes sense. Not, not Sweet Home Alabama. Um, have you ever stage-dived like, or dove off a stage into a crowd? What would you call that? I'm not a punk rock. No, I definitely... I mean, I grew up in the hardcore world. I stage-dove more times than I could possibly remember. My most memorable stage-dive was jumping off the stage and there was a pole kind of like that, a support beam holding up the roof and I hit it face first, knocked myself out and ended up with a concussion woke up in the hospital to my mother with me in the hospital, Johnny slapping me because in the hospital they had taken my clothes off to do like all the scans and that was the first time she saw my tattoos when I was 16 
best story ever. <laughs> Pretty funny. Have you ever thought about implementing the dive into like your your food and wine demos? Actually, the so like, when I, I think this is my, I want to do this with you. Like let's, my speech at the James Beard Awards when I got the James Beard Award was thank you to my father, thank you to Ken, thank you to our teams. Uh, I don't like being on top of a stage like this because normally I go this way onto the crowd, so I'm going to walk out that way, and I left. Ah, perfect. So I actually even made a reference to stage diving. At the, the uh, like, as you're doing that, like Jacques Pepin is like nervously like ready for to catch you, sort of. Well, I was standing next to Danielle, and I was going to grab his hand and see if he wanted to come with me. I, you know, you know, Danielle would do it. That's the hundred yeah. percent. That's the maniac. That's the best part. Like, I, I, like the things that I learned. I worked for Danielle. And it's like he like charisma is something that like for me I had to try I'm learning it right but like seeing Danielle just be the mayor of the dining room in the kitchen and the city and he's the mayor of wherever he is that's yes this is true so we're uh, stage diving with Daniel Ballou upcoming next perhaps oh, next JBF be, awards that's bucket list there you go uh, uh, Perone is that my uh, pronouncing it correctly mm-hmm. have you ever uh, Peroned with Jacques Pepin I paroned with Jacques Pepin on the way to Aspen in the Bombardier private jet that um, Food and Wine was flying us out at for his 80th birthday. That's see now now that's how you know you're dominating. Like first of all, you're <laughs> flying private uh, with Jacques Pepin, uh, and you're doing you're drinking uh, the cava from the Perron, right? We actually filled it up with 1967 Dom. <laughs> and you're drinking 1967 Dom in a Perron. Yeah, Mark Oldman had brought the wine. I can't take any credit for that. I've never been on that jet, so one day... I was not invited back. Uh, <laughs> uh, keeping it a little bit more Boston, uh, I don't know if you noticed I'm wearing a Red Sox I hat. did. I was curious. Game worn the day Big Poppy Boston Strong. I was going to say, I know it's not new because it's dirty. Miller, yeah. It's, uh, I think Andrew Miller was a pitcher. And my uncle bought it. And he was like, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, I want it. That's awesome. Um, so you're, you're a Sox fan. I am a Sox fan. Yeah. Have you ever wore a Red Sox hat to Yankee Stadium? I know you got work in New York. On my birthday four years ago, I went to a Yankees-Red Sox game. And I wore a Red Sox hat. Which is not a big deal. It's more of a big deal in Boston to wear a Yankees hat because Boston fans are much more assholes. Yeah, this, well, Massholes is a thing. Like, it's kind of like one of those Badge things you're like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is real. Uh, I've spent two hours in the city today, and I can tell you that it's, it's yeah, it is. It's a real, it's a real thing. I was uh, in a Dunkin' Donuts this morning, because I'm trying to like, Dunkies, because yeah. one in Rome. Yeah, but you and, still have uh, a Starbucks cup, so whatever. Get well, that's, well, no, like, I'm hiding it now. I'm trying to hide it from you, but, uh, and yeah, there was a very angry lady in there. So, like, um, things, things are happening. Uh, have you ever had tea at Dunkin' Donuts? I have had tea at Dunkin'. You have? Yeah. First of all, you've done all of these things. You're like, <laughs> I'm a huge tea drinker. I love tea. I actually have, I have tea in my bag at all times. I have a, a travel tea brewing like thermos that, so I can drink tea. But I take the train to New York a lot and the Dunkin' Donuts at, at uh, South Station. Sometimes you just feel like tea. Yeah. So what, what, uh, by the way, tea is very analog of you. <laughs> I feel like that's a very analog thing right now. What kind of tea are you drinking? You're, you're going oolong and, and black? and I'm, Right now, I've got like a little balls of uh, an aged pu'er tea that I really love. I drink a lot, I drink a lot of different kinds of teas. I'm, I'm feeling that that's the next collection. No, I do have a tea collection. I just didn't want to <laughs> seem like I was a hoarder earlier. Uh, this is the, the next. Can we do the next? Um, hopefully, you, you want to do another episode. Sure. Let's just do it from your place. Yeah, I almost and, suggested that this morning. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm game, and yeah. we'll like you know we'll, we'll go through the collection. We'll do some video. Do we have a sleepover the night before? Yes. 
I miss sleepovers. Same. Like, that was, like, remember, like, the joy of, like, just, like, you know, keeping someone else's parents awake throughout a whole night? Oh, I don't live with my parents anymore. Oh. Well, I'll have to ask mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jamie Bissonette, you're awesome, dude. I love you. You know that. End of the podcast. Uh, someone just broke. Was that a breakage? No, yeah. I don't even know. Right? End of okay. the podcast broke. That's perfect, class. by the way. It's a perfect <laughs> way to perfect. end the podcast. Um, when it says China on your paycheck, it doesn't mean you're going on vacation. I love that one. Right? Um, <laughs> is that like yeah, so the all like all cliche boss? What was the other one? No, I think the big boss one was was as soon as you heard something break, it was job opening. Right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, last thing we do is something called eighty six. It's eighty six. What is one thing that Jamie Bissonette wants to eighty six in the world, in the kitchen, in your personal life? It could be serious or not. What do you want to get rid of? Uh, more than anything else, I'd like to 86 Donald Trump out of the White House. You're not the first person, shockingly, <laughs> to say this on the podcast filled with ho- hospitality professionals. It just sucks because I can't see it. I don't think we have a suitable replacement. <laughs> oh, so you're getting – did you watch any uh, TV last night? I don't want to talk about it. We're okay, done. You there said we go. this was over. Fair enough. Fair enough. And by the way, your publicist is like waving. No, it's actually she was fist pumping. So yeah. that's all right. Jamie Bissonette, you're awesome, dude. I Thanks, love you bro. so much, brother. Thank you, Thank, congratulations on all the success. Uh, do us a favor, everyone. I know you love the podcast. Jump on over to iTunes. Chef, I don't know if you know this, but this podcast, you have all these awards. I've only been nominated for things, right? Mm-hmm. Like this podcast is five stars. It's the only five-star thing I've ever done in my career. That's awesome. I think you about five stars on podcasts. Wow. It's like two more than Michelin. <laughs> uh, do us a favor. Keep up the five-star ratings. Drop us a review. I know you love the podcast. And then do, do me a favor. Grab your friend's phone or your mom's phone or a family member's phone or a coworker's phone and secretly subscribe to the podcast on their phone. That's how we grow. That's how the algorithm works. Yeah. This isn't an analog world anymore. <laughs> Sadly, Jamie. Uh, But uh, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, drop us a review. And until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com.